Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You got to think the Lord once fought for Ahab on how to be saved from Ben-Hadad when Ben-Hadad came to take things away from him. Ahab was given chance after chance, but since Ahab persistently refused to turn back to the Lord, then he would have to stand alone this time without anybody to defend him. Nobody was going to come help him this time. Nobody was going to come save him out of trouble the trouble that he now had coming. And don't worry, Jezebel's going to get her own judgment too, 1 Kings twenty-one twenty-three. And concerning Jezebel, the Lord also spoke, saying, The dogs shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. The dogs shall eat whoever belongs to Ahab and dies in the city, and the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field. Okay, we already heard that Ahab's blood would be licked up. If That was bad enough, right? But Jezebel's entire body was going to be eaten by dogs. And Jezebel was a queen. She had favor. She had riches. She had title. She had power. She was up there in high privilege. She felt that she was too untouchable to be taken down by anyone And that's why she acted as vile as she did. She told Ahab, I'll take that vineyard. I don't care. I'm the queen. What are they going to do to me? Well, I don't know. What are dogs going to do to you now? So now both King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, they were not going to receive honorable burials. This is the kind of end that selfish living will bring to those who will not, will not, those people that will not repent and turn back to the Lord God. 1 Kings 21.25 But there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord, because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up, and he behaved very abominably in following idols, according to all that the Amorites had done, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. These two verses that we just read here They give us God's own evaluation of Ahab. The Lord said that this behavior was like selling himself. He sold himself. That's what Elijah told him also. You know, friends, slaves are usually sold off against their will. They don't want to be sold off. But it says here that Ahab sold himself. I mean, how dumb is that? And so to make Ahab's situation even worse is that he had the worst wife possible, wicked Jezebel, to push him even further into what he could have done on his own. I mean, remember, remember, he went and laid down and didn't want to eat, and he was all upset. 
I mean, that would have been the end of it if it was just Ahab. Well, Jezebel came and stirred it up even worse and brought it to the point of murder. He was spineless. He would not rebuke her. He would not say, no, you're not taking my signet ring. You're not signing any letters in my name. And she would stir him up. We we have a saying in Texas, you stir the pot. You, you won't let things settle. Just have to keep it all stirred up in a mess. Both of these people, they were out of God's order, and they were selfish as could be. They were troublemakers. And so do you remember when Ahab called Elijah the big troublemaker of Israel? For him to think that Elijah was the one causing all the mess, that means Ahab was blind. And God said that this combination of deliberate wickedness between them, it caused them to both follow in the ways, the sinful ways, of the Amorites. Who were the Amorites? The Amorites were a people that were so wicked, the Lord wanted them gone. That in Joshua chapter 10, God stopped the earth from rotating for a whole day. The sun and the sun stayed up in the sky. The earth literally stopped turning. Okay, I know the scientists say that is impossible. It could never work. No, God can make happen whatever he wants. He stopped it from turning in order to give the Israelites enough daylight to kill the Amorites off, to get them out of the land. While God himself even threw hailstones down on the Amorite people. That's how bad they were. They were bad to the bone kind of bad. And the Lord's assessment of Ahab and Jezebel is that they were just like Amorites. This is how bad they were. It's as if God was saying these two weren't even to be referred to as Israelite people. They were like Amorites. This was God's evaluation of Jezebel and Ahab. 1 Kings twenty one twenty seven. So it was when Ahab heard those words that he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his body and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about mourning. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, See how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the calamity in his days, in the days of his son. I will bring the calamity on his house. Ahab finally heard something that absolutely devastated him. But look at what Ahab did. Now, I know you really hate Ahab right now, and you really want to watch this guy go down like right now. Lord, get him. Okay? I know we think that way, but look what he finally did. He finally did something that the Lord wanted him to to do. What did he do? Ahab humbled down. Boy, it took a lot to get him there, though, but he did. He humbled down. And this act of tearing his clothes and wearing sackcloth, it was very uncomfortable. Sackcloth is really itchy, scratchy. No, It's like a potato bag. You know, it's really, really scratchy things. It was a way to display outwardly the grief and the discomfort you felt inside is why they did this. And so it expressed extreme grief. And he really, really meant it. Fasting and mourning also is an expression of grief. And this Ahab finally, he got brought down and the Lord noticed it. Okay. Now the text does not tell us if Ahab's grief was an expression of repentance that leads to salvation or not. It just doesn't tell us. And we don't know if Ahab was just grieving over himself and his family lying being lost 
or if his grief was enough that he felt bad about taking Naboth's vineyard away or he felt bad about murdering Naboth or maybe that if if he felt bad about violating God's law. We just don't know. The text does not tell us what level of grief he was expressing. What we do know is that his humbling down before the Lord is something that God definitely noticed. He saw him do it. And so out of mercy, oh God, out of mercy, God deferred Ahab's judgment away from him until after Ahab's death. This is amazing, friends. I mean, after what you heard about Ahab, the man needs to go down. He's a wicked guy. He can't keep doing It's got to stop. God, you got to take him out. But Ahab humbled, and look what the Lord did. Now, one thing I do want to say is that although the Lord moved Ahab's judgment to a later time, this still did not remove, it did not cancel, it did not get rid of the consequences that he had coming. God never said, oh, well, never mind, he got down, I'm going to stop all the judgment I said. No, it's still coming, but he just delayed it. It's amazing, the mercy of God. I can't imagine how the Lord God could show any mercy at all to a guy like Ahab, as bad as he was. (laughs) Well, friend, you got to realize, too, why does God show us any mercy after the bad things you and I have done? So even though the Lord showed Ahab some mercy, the bad news would still be coming, okay? However, on Jezebel's part, different person, different situation here. If you read onward from here, past 1 Kings 21, you'll find out that woman never repented. She never even humbled herself at all, not a once. We're going to see later in the second book of Kings that Jezebel would suffer everything that God promised was coming without mercy because she would never humble herself. So today we have two very bad, charbroiled to a crisp, bad people. One gained some mercy, but the other will not. And it's all based on what was the difference between the two of them. It was all based on who would bow the knee or not. Romans 14, 11. It is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Friends, Jezebel may not have ever bowed her knee in her earthly lifetime, but she one day will, because it's written that everyone will. All of us will. Even Satan himself, he will be made to bow his knee and confess to God that the Lord is God. Every knee is going to bow. You are either going to bow willingly or you're going to be forced down against your will, but either way, you're going to do it. Everybody's going to do it. It's best to just go ahead and willfully do it now today. Every unbeliever who has ever refused and rejected God to the very end, I will not bow to God. I just won't do it. That's their attitude. One day, they will be made to bow, even if they hate it. They will do it. And we need to consider why. We should bow our own knee. Take Ahab, for example. He had been given a lot of mercy over his lifetime, but he never would give any mercy out. Then you have Jezebel. That woman showed no mercy at all. I want you to look at James 2.13. 
for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Friends, this is how it ends up for people like this. And I will say, let me let me push the abortion button. Abortion, that shows no mercy to those that they kill. The unborn, it's it, it, abortion is driven by selfish people who violate the human rights of others, just like Ahab violated the rights given by God's law for Naboth to protect and help Naboth. God's law says do not murder, okay? That is supposed to protect the unborn. It is selfishness of people that think they can take whatever they want for themselves. I know you got a bunch of reasons why you think abortion is okay. There is never a reason why abortion is okay. Every situation you can name is very well treatable by other methods than killing, okay? But understand, God's Word says the judgment for people that act like this, that judgment has no mercy. For those who show no mercy, friend, we need to learn how to show people mercy. If you have a grudge with somebody, if you've got a stranglehold on somebody for something, but you've justified it in your mind, why it's okay for you to have that over them. I'm telling you right now, friend, you need to enact some mercy. You need to give mercy. If you don't, you will never receive mercy. You will have a judgment coming to you that's bigger than you. Judgment's coming, and you want mercy, believe me. When everything in your life is all about you and all about what you get, and it's never about what the Lord gets, uh, just like Ahab and Jezebel, they stole Naboth's vineyard, and they would not obey God's law. This is the kind of end you get. You get a judgment that comes. You can still bow your knee and get some mercy. And so Ahab finally, oh, finally, as bad as the story went for him up front, he finally humbled a little bit. So the Lord said he would bring calamity on Ahab's son. Now, I want to show you ahead in time from this point when Ahab's son, he gets shot by an arrow in 2 Kings 9.24. Now Jehu drew his bow with full strength and shot Jehoram between his arms, and the arrow came out at his heart, and he sank down in his chariot. Then Jehu said to Bidkar, his captain, Pick him up and throw him into the tract of the field of Naboth the Jezreelite. For remember, when you and I were riding together behind Ahab his father, that the Lord laid this burden upon him. Surely. I saw yesterday the blood of Naboth and the blood of his son, says the Lord, and I will repay you in this plot, says the Lord. Now, therefore, take and throw him on the plot of ground according to the word of the Lord. So you see how Ahab's son got that judgment. That judgment began. Naboth's vineyard would become the very graveyard that marked not only his son's grave, but also would mark the end of Ahab's entire family line. It would be marked on that field that he stole. Ahab rejected God's law, but God's law caught up to him. It caught him. Friends, you may not like God's law. Some of you delight in God's law. If you're saved, you say, yeah, it's wrong to steal. It's wrong to to act sinful and wicked. You You may like it. You may not. Either way, you can't get away from it. You cannot get away from God's law. 
to the unbeliever that's hearing me out there, you're thinking, yeah, but it's my life. I do what I want. Okay. I want you to understand you are allowed the decision to do what you want up to a point until God says, I've had enough and his ways will catch up to you. But I want you to consider how Ahab had been spared in the past. He had been given opportunity after opportunity. Now, a lot of people, they think that since God has blessed them in the past before, saved them out of bad situations before, then they think that must mean that since they have such great favor that they can continue to sin on and on, not realizing that the reason why God did good for them is to give them another chance to get them to turn away from their sin and get right. He's waiting for you to turn around and repent and get right with him. He's not saving you from bad situations and throwing blessings at you because he says, hey, you know, you're doing okay. Keep sinning like the devil. Here's another blessing, by the way. What he's doing is he's trying to get you to see him for who he is, that he is a merciful God, and he's trying to get you to turn back to him so that you can learn to be like him and give mercy out of your own. Do not take God's blessings as a green light to keep going on in your sin. Take God's blessings as a signal that it's time for you to repent and get right with him because he's waiting for you like Ahab. He's giving you chance after chance, opportunity after opportunity, help after help, save after save to try to get you to turn and come back. Friend, don't end up like Ahab who hated Elijah when all Elijah was trying to do was give him some a, a godly message. You know, I've had a lot of people that hate me personally. They write me things through the internet that they heard me on the radio or they saw me on YouTube and you said this and I'm mad at you for that and I don't like it and all this. They, they're just angry because they want to continue in their sin. But I told them something from God's word that says they need to stop. And they, they, they treat me the same way Ahab did to Elijah. They hate me for it. And all I'm trying to do is like what Elijah did. All I'm trying to do is tell them what God's word says. Friend, if you have been told by God to go give a message to somebody to get right and turn around and they hate you for it, hey, you let God work that out with them. You don't need to do that. You just do be the messenger that God told you to go say what he told you to say. Let God work on them. You can't do that. That's like how Elijah was. He was told to give a message, whether or not Ahab liked it, obviously, whichever way it was going to go, the word of God, God's law was going to work that out. There's a lot of people in America today, they have that Ahab and Jezebel king and queen syndrome. I'm so high up the ladder. I'm untouchable. I don't have to face any kind of judgment for my actions because I'm too great. I'm too popular. I'm too rich. Today, we saw how judgment catches up even to a king and a queen. They were not immune from it. Hebrews 10.31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Friends, to fall into the hands of God means to fall victim to. Remember all the times when God told somebody, I will give that enemy into your hand. This means to destroy an opposing force. You will conquer. You will destroy them. And so falling into the hands of God is not a good thing. It means a hostile God-hater will ultimately be overcome and done away with. And friends, that's a fearful thing. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the Lord God. We saw today that not even kings and queens have the power 
to escape the Lord's judgment. But friends, I want you to know this. There was also another king. He did not escape God's judgment, and that king was Jesus Christ. His crucifixion on the cross also included the wrath of God. He didn't just suffer nails and whips and insults. The wrath of God fell on him also on top of that crucifixion. His crucifixion had the wrath of God because we were supposed to take the wrath of God upon ourselves. And if you will believe upon Jesus, and if you will die to your old life of sin and believe that Jesus was raised back to life, then God's word says that all of your penalty for having broken God's law. See, all of us have said, I don't care about God's law. And when we sinned, we deliberately, willfully broke God's law, and we became guilty. But God exercised mercy to us when he didn't have to. Remember how bad you wanted Ahab to go down? Well, wait a minute. What about us? What about you and me? We should have gone down. Our condemnation, the wrath of God that would have been for us would have been an eternity in hell, but Jesus Christ paid that penalty for us. So that penalty does not have to fall on you or me. We can believe upon Jesus and have that penalty transfer over to him so that you don't have to pay for it yourself. You will not go to hell to pay your own penalty because Jesus paid it for you. Friends, that's the best deal you're ever going to get. John 5.24 Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Friends, we saw today judgment came to Ahab, but judgment does not have to come to you. Are you being unmerciful? You need to be merciful. If you want judgment, if you want there to be mercy in the judgment, then extend mercy to other people that you could be extending mercy to. Like Elijah, I'm just a guy that's telling you God's word, and I know that some of the things I've said today rubs a lot of people the wrong way, but don't hate me for it. I'm just telling you God's word. Just like Elijah had said for Ahab, whatever he said and whatever I'm saying, it's all for everyone's benefit so that you can be blessed, not cursed by God. Ahab's family line was condemned. He lost it all. It came to a very bad end. But through Jesus Christ, you can enter into a brand new family, a family you didn't belong to before. You can be brought into the family of God, a family line that will last through eternity. Let's pray for that blessing. Father, thank you for the mercy you have given us. Lord, we all had judgment coming. We all deserved it. But Lord God, you chose to send your son Jesus to die in our place so that we would not have to go down for it. Thank you for doing that for us, Father. We thank you so much. Father, for anybody that's listening to this message today, they realize that I need to have a fear. Uh, Lord, I, I realize your law is going to catch up to me. I need to turn around and make it right. Lord, show them how to humble down. And Lord, we thank you that you notice humility. Grant us mercy. Forgive your people, Lord God. And we thank you for salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. And guess what? Just one more chapter of 1 Kings to go, and we're done with the whole book. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.